You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come on to today's episode, as always, please check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. That is where we host our game day from the UK live pre-game streaming show. We've done well with that this year. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We've done it as much as we can. We wanted to try and do every, every single game. That hasn't quite worked out, but we've managed to get through over half of them, which is pretty impressive. We're almost done with the season. Keep following us through there it is a lot of fun with my guys subscribe to the channel while we're there we've also got a lot of other things that go on there all the podcast episodes and lots of little sort of fun and game bits go on there as too so please follow us and subscribe at miami heat uk tv at youtube on to today's episode and joining me today not feeling at his best i'm sure but we'll get into it it's the founder of uk 76ers with the man with the best tones in the uk podcasting game it's of course Ben Glasspool. Ben, how are you, sir? Um, I certainly see better days. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because when you win, you want to try and stay calm. And when you lose, you want to try and stay calm. I want to try and keep on that middle line. But naturally, there are a few things that annoyed me uh, last night, which I'm sure we're going to dive into. But on the on the whole, I'm doing okay. I'm doing yeah, okay. Thanks for having me on. No, absolute pleasure. And um, that is the mantra that everyone tries to sort of go by, isn't it? Don't get too carried away when you're winning. Don't get too pissed off when you're losing. It never really works out that way. But um, good luck, mate. Good luck. We do our best. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, we've got a few things to touch on. We recalled um, the night, the day after the night before, Heat currently lead the series 1-0 after a 106-92 win against the Sixers. Um, We'll get into lots of stuff. Obviously, we want to talk about Embiid. We want to talk about Harden. Um, but before we do, I want to see, see what your your main sort of takeaways really were for last night because everyone expected the Heat to win. And yes, they did win. But for half to, for half of that game, as I said, you walked into the break there with a slender lead. And I think the most telling thing for me, and this wasn't, I'm not making excuses for the Sixers. I'm sure you might have a couple. But mm-hmm. what made um, sort of, was very telling for me was when that second half, especially the Heat's six game, six day of rest really came to fruition. It seemed to really shine through that we looked by far the more rested team. Is that fair? I, I think you can easily make that claim. I think it's very hard to detect that, but I think that's, that's fair enough. You know, we travel from Toronto, which is not even, not only the other side of the country, or, um, but it's onto the next country from that. So, uh, it's not the nicest trip to make, you know, Toronto to Philadelphia and down to South Beach. But having said that, I mean, I always feel like for games like this, being prepared, also it comes from the fitness side, but mentally prepared. So I think you've got a guy in Spolstra who can do that. He's been through been through it all before. You've got pe- uh, people like Haslam as well that can help with these guys. Butler, you know, you've got people who are very mature. Um, as a, you're a very mature team as an organization as well. And as a result, it's very easy for you guys, I think, to just step up to the plate. Whereas with our guys, I mean, I think we'll touch upon my thoughts and feelings on a few members of this organization. Sometimes we struggle to just really get in that m- mindset. You know, there was a reason why we gave up two games to the Raptors. And that's because sometimes we're not all there mentally. 
But I do think there's undoubtedly going to be from some physical and mental fatigue um, associated with why the Sixers didn't quite get all there last night. But of course, there are a lot of other glaring reasons as well, but I don't want to spoil all that just yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that I think Doc Rivers said as soon as you came out of the Toronto series is we're going there to play a lot of men now. You know, the heat go deep. Every one of those are experienced guys. They're full of NBA champions. Um, do you think that that plays into it? The fact that, uh, you know, not only rested, but the fact that Miami can just bring off the eighth or ninth man off the bench and you're still going to get some solid production there. And that's no disrespect there to Toronto because I really like Toronto as a team. They've got a really, really fun and strong and competent starting five, but they have to play heavy minutes because the bench isn't really isn't really where it's at. You can't really say that for Miami. They go deep, don't they? Yeah, and it, it all, all links back to, you know, the scouting and also just being well coached. Um, you know, you look at the likes of Gabe Vincent, Max Stroh, um, Max Struess, Max Struess, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Struess, yeah. And Struess, yeah. And then you've got Robinson as well. It's, it's all people who have come from um, relatively nowhere, but it's because of that great coaching. And that allows you to go deep. Because if you've got someone who's been utilising and get the absolute best out of players, then all of a sudden the playoffs are going to be invaluable. And especially against a sixth team, you look at our bench and there's so many players who are just sort of like, well, you know, George Yang could hit six or seven threes in a game, but he could also go none from seven. Shake Milton could get 25 points, 30 points, um, but he could also just get two. And, and there's no consistency from our bench. And when you've got so many weapons you can throw at us, we have to be our best to match that in terms of depth, which more often than not, we can't. And I think, you know, it's a testament to the Miami scouting once again and that culture within the organization that you can do that. Gabe Vincent, I'm not sure if you remember last season when we played you, I think twice, um, and he just... He just kept torching us. The gate. I, I, I'm sick of the sight of Gabe Vincent. He just keeps doing bits against us. But it's again, it's a testament that you can. Someone can come from again a relative obscurity and do a, a really good job in the playoffs. So yeah. the depth is really going to hurt us for sure. Yeah, Gabe Vincent always does seem to torch the Sixers. It's a str- it is a strange mm. one. I know we went there um, over to your your arena where we had literally no one. I think it was really undrafted players, G-leaguers. We had to really make up. We had nobody. And you did beat us, but I think Gabe went for like 30-something. Yeah. I remember, I, I, my, I remember obviously, my brother, who you know very well because you, you, mm. you podcast with him. Um, and he said, who is this guy? You know, he's, he's outstanding. And this was the, at that point. This was like a, a guy who was just playing garbage minutes at that point. Now he's become a really valuable uh, role player. I, I proclaim him to be the best backup point guard in the league, which might be getting a little bit carried away, but I can see it. And he's, he's just a, a testament to the heat culture. So, yeah, it is uh, it is good for you to bring that up. Let's um, let's just get on to the, the big story, if you like. This is obviously um, what's dominated the headlines is uh, Joel Embiid being out indefinitely at the moment. Um, a really... Uh, unfortunate collision um, in the closing stages of that game. And let's start right there. First of all, why was he on the court at that time? See, this is the tricky one, because I, I love lamenting uh, Glenn Rivers more than anyone. And the reason I call him Glenn is because there's only one doc in Philadelphia, and that <laughs> is the great Dr. J. Um, but, you know, I, I love lamenting Glenn Rivers more than anyone. But... He made a good point about it. He said, well, until they take our guys out, we're going to keep our guys in. And I think that's a completely fair policy to have. You know, you can look at Doc's history of blowing leads. You look at our history last year of blowing leads against the Hawks. And you look at what was going on in that series alone. We were blowing it. We yep. were blowing it. And I think you've got it better safe than sorry. Because if all of a sudden you take Embiid off, they make a 12, 15 point run. Yep. And then it gets, you know, squeaky bum time to coin a phrase from uh, obviously the Premier League. 
and then you know doc you know is made out oh, sorry glenn is made out to be a very bad guy once again so i can't really get get on his case of it too much um to be quite honest i think it's just a bit of a freak accident to be quite yeah. frank yeah i think that it is always hindsight isn't it it's one of those where mm. you can't do too wrong code because you're right if they would have took um all the starters out and suddenly, I mean, there was about four minutes to go, wasn't there? Something like that. Yeah. If suddenly that gets half, the, the lead gets halved in half the time, you've then got to throw them all back in. He's going to get slaughtered. And obviously the, the back of the minds, the, the what's happened before starts to creep in. So I get it. And that is fair. Um, it is always hindsight. Let's come on just to the incident because we know that Siakam and Embiid are, you know, close. They're friends. Um I see it nothing more than just an unfortunate instant. The bench, however, were really sort of suggesting that there was elbows thrown there. Um, any malice in that, or was it just tempers you know, <sighs> and emotions riding high? Again, a lot of people on Sixers Twitter will tell you that it was a dirty play, but the way Siakam plays, he's quite you know herky jerky, gets his elbows in, doesn't get his elbows in in a, in a way to you know hurt anyone. And I think it's just just a player, you know, it's a basketball play that unfortunately led to the orbital fracture. I think, you know, Siakam from, I don't know the guy, of course, he seems like a pretty stand-up guy. Obviously him and Joel have a lot of mutual respect. There's a lot of healthy competition, which may be um, misinterpreted as almost anger towards one another, but I think it's a healthy rivalry at its worst. Yeah. This is just a basketball play. It could have been Joel. It could have been DeAndre Jordan. could have been Paul Reed. It could have been absolutely anyone that received that elbow. And it's just one of those things, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I think, again, more was made out of because of who it was. Um, as I said, if this was a DeAndre Jordan, for example, um, I don't, you know, or something, you know, anybody like else on the um, on the Toronto uh, Raptors roster there, I don't think it would have been made quite yeah. as big a deal out of. But let's get on to then to the extent of this, because we don't hear anything really other than it's indefinite at the moment. Are they expecting him to come back? Some uh, the, the small, I mean, you'll have a much better idea than I do, but the rumours were, or what I've heard is perhaps when it comes back to Philadelphia around game three. Um, but is that accurate? So the concussion protocol means he has to sit for five days. So that five days, there's also amount of game one and two, absolutely 100%. He can't play in those. Um, he then has to take up some more screenings just to make sure he's okay to play. He's got to make sure that there's a mask in place. So the last time Embiid masked up was actually, I think, at the tail end of the Miami series. We had yeah. in 2018. Um, yeah. So that would be a nice little going full circle once again. But that does worry me. Um, not, that, not that he's returning. I think, you know, he'll play on one leg. I, I think just he will give it his best shot, whether that means he's going to play and, you know, get an inefficient 15. He's going to play, I think, game three. At the very, you know, at worst, it's game four. He will be back by game four, in my opinion. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how that comes out. And I think also with the mask as well. So what Embiid's been really good at doing is passing out double teams. And we know that's where turnovers previously used to come from predominantly. But how much does this mask affect his peripheral vision? Because that's obviously crucial in noticing when to make that pass. So that's what I'm a bit concerned about. But for me, I think he's back by game three. Yeah, and I, and I hope so. Look, I was, I was genuinely gutted when I saw that news because you don't want to go through... You don't want to go through a series knowing that you won because of this reason. I mean, you know, Miami... But would have been favourites to come through this series anyway, but mm. that doesn't, you know, I, 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 you just hate it as a fan to feel like you won yeah. because of a reason. You want the best players to beat the best players. You want a great series. You want a great watch. This is why we're involved in watching sport and following the teams that we love. So I really don't hope that he comes back and is back to his best because he was having, well, he is having an MVP year, isn't he? And, you know, he's answered yeah. all the critics. Do you think that 
whilst we're on that, he will get that award? Or do you think that he's still going to um, I, I, I think it's going Jokic. Um, and I know it's a regular season award, but for whatever reason, the votes come later, which I find completely perplexing because that means Giannis is a really good shot all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, we spoke, me, me and Bobby spoke about it on our last pod, is that we're not bothered if Giannis or Jokic beat him. It's that I think there came a point, for whatever reason, where Embiid was pushed to the wayside and no one was allowed to talk about his MVP candidacy. It was all about Jokic. And it's always at the expense of the closest contender. So when you're building Jokic up, for whatever reason, it means you have to um, push Embiid down. And that's what frustrated um, Bobby and I. And that's what frustrates a lot of Sixer fans because Jokic has been fantastic. Yanis has. And I think it's going to be Jokic. But with the way the voting is, because it's so flawed, it could even be Yanis. But I would put Embiid as third favourite, unfortunately. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I'm not a big Jokic fan. Everyone knows why. Um, I admire his skill set and his play. Uh, of course, I do. But um, you know, since the incidents, I've got no time for for the guy, so I yeah. don't want him to uh, to win it. Giannis, you know, there would be no argument. But I just feel like Joe Embiid has <clears throat> has answered every question put in front of him. He, was he going to be healthy and more available? Yes, pretty much all season he has been. He's put up big numbers. He's carried the team on his own. He's gone through all the adversity of all the Ben saga all the way through, and he's he carried Sixers all the way through this season as a contender, um, you know, right up until the end, even at the end, I think there was only three and a half games that separated four through one. So I think he's led the team. I think he deserves the award. Um, let's hope he gets back into this series to make it an interesting one. Let's come back yeah. to the series for a minute, Ben. Um, mm-hmm. You put out a tweet this morning after you've watched the game to say that, you know, um, you know, you, it was a sort of sloppyish performance. Miami deserved the win, of course, but... You don't think that they're unfamable. You feel that they can be beaten and not this un, 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 you know, unbeatable force. And I agree with you 100%. Miami are not the favourites, in my opinion, to come out of the East. I think there's at least one, potentially two teams that are more equipped to do that. Um, my, my thing that I always said when this Heat team was constructed uh, at the beginning of the season is you'll take, you know, it's, it's okay or it's something to take a game from this team. But you've got to beat this team four times. And I think whoever that is, whoever you've got to come, whether it's the Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, whoever it may be, even when the Nets uh, back in the day was looking good, I thought that was always going to be the struggle. Um, do you agree with that? I do. And, and I think with Miami is that whilst, you know, when we're talking about the, you know, the, the highest ceilings in the East, I, I feel like there's obviously the floor for Miami, I think is higher than most solely because there's always, you're guaranteed just you're not going to do anything stupid. I, I, I feel Miami's just so smart. And again, this links back to the cult, to the organization, who who's doing what positions, but it's a smart organization. It's not temperamental. Uh, you know, I know people will say, well, what about that Butler and Spolster thing? I think that's just a sign of two people who just love basketball and a passion about that. I'm sure that that's, for them, that's in the past. No one cares. Yeah. But I think there's just such a such an intelligence about the organization that you're not going to get them to slip up four times to give you the win. You're going to have to earn those wins. It's going to be tight. It's going to be hard. And that's always what I was concerned about. They are not unbeatable in, from a talent perspective, but it's just that their, their mentality is just so strong. Their intelligence for the game is so strong that it makes it that much harder to get those four games and to try and um, advance to that next round. Yeah, this is the thing that, um, you know, we beat down on a lot. It's, you know, people will probably argue, myself can involve in, in this conversation, that Miami don't really have a true superstar. And I, I would say that's fair. Um, but what we've got is we've got potentially next year, if his extension is what we maybe believe it will be, with Tyler Harrow perhaps commanding max money, that would mean that Miami would, would, would be having four max players 
not at the end of this year because he won't be eligible this year, but he'll be eligible for the extension. But four Max players without a true superstar, yet the four of those players in Jimmy Butler, Cole Lowry, Bam Adebayo, and then perhaps um, Tyler Hero, um, that's a real core there of potentially sort of four top 40, top 50 players in the league. Um, that can, as you said, you add that with a PJ Tucker NBA champion. You add that with you know savvy vets like Dwayne Dedman, uh, Markeith Morris, all these players, and then shooting as well with Duncan Robinson, etc. It's probably the most well-rounded roster that gives you that depth, and that's why the the, the Heat will always be a struggle uh, to beat. I think in four games, and that's why I don't rule us out. I don't put us as a favourites, but I put I don't rule us out uh, a championship because I just think that that's going to be uh, a hell of a task, whoever it comes up against. Um, I want to come on to Harden shortly, but before I do, um, I want to just talk a bit about Tyrese Maxey. And the reason why is because he's he's got the limelight here. He's really sort of caught the eye nationally now um, as he's coming down the second half of this season. He's been exceptional. And Miami could have had him. We picked one before you. And a lot of Miami Twitter, a lot of the uh, the, the national media, not the national, the local media, was tipping this guy that in the mid-round he was the pick to go for. And we did, and we went for Precious Achua, who has now gone on to Toronto, um, and he's looking good, to be fair. Um, But Tyrese Maxey looks every bit the talent and uh, a budding superstar in the waiting. Um, Already, perhaps, maybe your third best player, and uh, he's just in year two. Uh, What do you make of Tyrese and his extension? Oh, he's he's fantastic. And he's really, uh, you know... the first thing with, with Philadelphia is that you've got to get in with the crowd. And he's done that because he's such an infectious personality. There's sort of a, there's still like a, it's almost like a childlike sort of fascination um, whenever he plays basketball. He's always smiling, he's always happy. Even if you're down bad, maybe he's gone on a run. You just see Maxi having a smile and then he's going to go onto the court, play just fun, energetic basketball. And it's got to the point now, this season he's been fantastic. I did expect him to have a bit more of a, an improved year but not to the extent it will be regarded as a breakout. Because now after this season, I feel that him becoming an all-star is when, um, not if. I, I, I genuinely think that. And that means the Sixers are in good stead for the future. Uh, it means when Embiid and Harden goes, we've got someone there already. I know me and Bobby did flirt with the idea. It's like, okay, we've got Harden, we've got Embiid. Do we try and use Maxi to package up something for Bradley Beal? And this podcast was only recorded just before the playoffs started, and I was flirting with it. And I was on the fence, but now I'm just like, nah, nah, let's just not get ahead of ourselves. But he's, he's just awesome. He's fantastic. And the, the way he's improved on his three-pointers, and it's not just catch and shoot in the corner, it's step-back threes off the dribble. I, I've never seen anything like it. I think he was on 32% last season. He was now He's closer, near enough 40%, I want to say 39 or so off more attempts, harder attempts, and you just wonder how on earth you can just improve that drastically and that quickly. And it's a real, you know, testament to his want and need to improve. And I think, you know, we've got so, so lucky with that pick, and thank goodness you picked Achua instead. Yeah, is um, I mean, it goes to show really with, with when, obviously, the you got through the Toronto series and we obviously the matchup was confirmed. Heat Twitter immediately um, went on to... Not how do you stop? I mean, obviously, the, we, this is before the Embiid um, uh, news, so we was preparing for that anyway. But a lot of Heat Twitter was all saying, "How do you try and stop Maxi?" It wasn't about Harden. We didn't talk about Harden. You know, it was all about the problem here that to, to keep under control is Tyrese Maxi, and that's uh, that's a real credit to him. He looks so explosive, so exciting, like a young uh, Westbrook, obviously, in that sort of sense of things. Uh, but he looks like he's got a bit of everything in his game. Um, so a real find, a real uh, good development program for him. Um, let's see how how he develops next year and beyond. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think 
all star is when now, really, not if. And it could be as soon as next year if this carries on. Mm. So, uh, fair play to him. Let's get on then to James Harden. Uh, got a few questions about this, but I just want to put it really broadly, first of all, is you obviously watch him every week. You, um, uh, you, you're sort of very much involved in, in Sixers Twitter, etc. Um, I sprung to the immediate ascension of labelling Sixers as the favourites coming out of the East when this trade went down. The reason why I did yeah. that is because you was hovering around the one seed. I think it was only about half a game back at that time. And I said, you've done this all without an all-star calibre player in Ben Simmons. Now you've added a superstar in James Harden. To me, that made you the favourites. Um, it hasn't quite worked out so far, but yep. what's your thoughts with it? I mean, because... He just, for me, I don't, I said, don't watch him every week, but it, it just doesn't seem like that guy anymore. Yeah. And I think that's the wor- most worrisome thing about it. You know, we start, when he started off, it was like a nice little honeymoon period. And we're just like, oh my God, we finally got what we wanted a perimeter creator that can shoot off the dribble and can close games. Obviously, MB can close games, but it's just nice to have another um, weapon to your arsenal. And it started off so well and it started to dwindle. Then he started to, you know, perhaps give up shots in the hope of assisting and facilitating, which is a great trait to have, but it's also you need to balance that out with making sure you're getting in the buckets that we need you to get. And I don't think he's still, he's still trying to strike that balance of facilitating versus scoring. Now, there's going to be more of an emphasis on facilitating. He's not going to be the, the Rockets Harden isn't coming back, no. but we still need something which can, who can facilitate and score. And then I often say people are always washed. He's, 30 plus people thought the same thing about Chris Paul when he's at the Rockets. It really is just about trying to find a new way that you can be effective in this system. But I think currently he's averaging around 17 or 18 points in this playoffs overall. I'm worried about the contracts side of things because he's got a player option. And then after that, he's eligible for a five-year max, which would be $200 million. And that could be a John Wall-esque terrible contract. So that's what I'm really concerned about. And my hope is that whilst we are not seeing James Harden as we have known him beforehand, are we seeing someone who's still hindered by that hamstring injury? And I don't hope that he's still hindered by that hamstring injury, but it'd be nice to at least have some sort of concession whereby, okay, he's not quite where where we need him right now. But at the very least, we know he's struggling with this. We can give him an off-season to properly work at it because he didn't get the opportunity to do so last off-season. And then we're going to get back to someone who can average, you know, maybe 24, 25 points as well as these assists and rebounds. So it's really hard because he's undoubtedly made us better, but it's just not to the extent that we perhaps would have expected and would have liked. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. And the problem is now is, you know, you've almost got to extend him, haven't you? Because... Obviously, with the Ben situation, I know Ben didn't play, so some people will look at that as, well, it's a negative asset and you've managed to get a superstar out of that. But everybody, any player that would have come up, whoever that may be, a Bill, a Lillard, whoever it may be, yeah, Ben will become the best player in whatever trade scenario any team really can offer. Um, so, you know, I don't. I said straight away that I think it was a very balanced trade. I think both teams would be happy with that business. Yep. But now it's almost not quite working out, as you just said, in what maybe you thought it would do. You've got to sort of back that now, haven't you? You can't really just let it go. It has to be, if it has to be extended, doesn't it? I think, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think you've got to roll the dice and say, we'll give you an extension. I think James Harden um, knows what he needs to do to improve. And also I think having Daryl Morey, who's obviously friends with him, yeah. he can have those frank conversations and be like, look, James, if you want to be earning this amount of money, we're going to need to this 
this from you when you're going to need x y and z from you there's always a possibility that glenn rivers might go and then all of a sudden you can say who do you think he'll say to joel and james who do you think will be the best out of the both of you so that could be an intriguing facet of that all by itself we could also the hope would be ideal scenario for me would be he takes his player option and then if he does well we give him the max five-year max if he doesn't then so be it but because philadelphia it's a weird one we're not a small market by any means but we're not LA we're not Miami we're not you know one of those big big markets everyone wants to go to so free agency if you could say oh we could just find someone else in free agency that's not the case people don't really want to come to Philadelphia in free agency because they want to go live in the nice places I mean I love Philadelphia I think it's a great city but people want to go to New York they want to go to Boston they want to go to Miami they want to go to Los Angeles and that puts puts us as an immediate disadvantage you just have to look at the butler when butler went again to you guys Whilst, of course, part of the reason he went to Miami wasn't just a good weather, it was because we were ran like an absolutely terrible organization, whereas you are the epitome of a good one. You start to see, even though in that whole free agency class, there was an awful lot of talent going and we get Al Horford and Tobias Harris. So there, therein lies the issue. You can't rely on free agency moves with our organization. You're going to have to be quite astute during the off seasons with how you are allocating contracts, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's a very fair observation, 100%. I just want to talk quickly, and this is maybe a little bit uh, cheeky, but the infamous non-trade that it went down with uh, with, with the uh, uh, Hero and um, James Harden trade and the, all the mickey-taking that took place with where oh, uh, the Heat wouldn't give up Tyler Hero to get James Harden. Not that it was ever that package anyway. Uh, we know that. Everyone seems to just forget, thinks it was going to be a straight-up trade, which is obviously not, not possible financially, yeah. let alone for anything else. But right now, obviously, with what we just said about Tyrese Maxey, Tyler Harrow is sort of ascending in the same direction. He's sixth man of the year by a landslide this year. He's, uh, he's improved his game dramatically. His points per game is better, etc. Um, he's really embraced that role. And like you just said about Maxi, I think it's more of a time of when he becomes an all-star. Might not be next season, but I think all-star caliber is absolutely fair. Given his age and what's happening with Harden, Harden obviously a superstar. We know this. We know what he's like. But if you could pick, ignore the finances right now, but if you could pick this player that is maybe on the down, yet could, you know, and we know he's not doing the things that we saw in Houston, he's yep. still capable of taking over a game, but maybe the, the body isn't quite as it was, the uh, looking after himself maybe not quite as it was. And you've got Tyler Harrow who's doing everything on the up, building muscle, getting bigger, getting better on defense, getting better on attack, and so on. Who would you pick there going forward? One that could <sighs> decline in maybe, and one that's in a definite ascension. Because if you watched this last night, you wouldn't know much difference. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And it is a tricky one as, you know, how fun would a Maxi and Hero uh, backcourt be? That would be, that's box office right there. And that, that that's your backcourt for the foreseeable as well. 100. You didn't have to, you could just like, okay, we got these two guys, stick them on a max deal. The rest will sort itself out later in free agency or whatever else. But I think just because I, I'm a bit conservative, small C, emphasize the small c um i'm a bit conservative in the sense that i would love to just there's you're giving up if you got rid of harden just now and he comes back to 75 80 percent of what he was in houston then that's enough to get us a championship with Embiid right now and it's all about right now because as healthy as Embiid has been we all know that it's just one funny landing away from going completely kaput and we've seen it with the the heavier stars they don't last very long and one injury can really 
break them quite literally. So I would say we're going to need something in the immediate sense to get this title. 100%. And as a result, I would stick with Harden and hope that the hamstring sorts itself out. And as a result, we get the explosive Harden, the one that can blow by, put someone, and then all of a sudden everything else comes back to fruition. That's the hope. And I think it's a realistic hope. We're not, I'm not yep. accept- saying he's going to be 35, 36 points per game, Harden. But like I said, can he get 26, 27, as well as the assist? I think that's very conceivable. I, I think that is 100% the right answer. And, you know, what people have got to remember is that is so much can change in the space of just a game. I mean, this time last week, he was 3-0 up against uh, the Raptors. Everything was looking great. Um, now you've lost three of the last four and you've lost your MVP for the, for the immediate future. Um, but things were very rosy for a little time. So this conversation doesn't happen. Now suddenly a couple of bad games. Hero obviously getting uh, sort of the, the main reason really for the win last night. It was explosive. Gets that conversation going. But... For what you just said there with the MB timeline, if you can get um, Harden back to, you know, not Houston level, but an improvement of what he's been, that is still the best way of winning your title. You probably don't win that title with Hero as your second option. So I think that is still the right answer. So, uh, yeah, nice stuff. Right, let's just come on to uh, Doc Rivers very quickly before I get your uh, final sort of predictions on what Miami can do this year. Doc Rivers, if it ends up being a second round exit, which... Every ESPN, for example, pundit thinks it will be. Uh, we're more conservative. Yep. We're not going to count our chickens just yet. But he are obviously the obvious favourites at the moment, especially with uh, Embiid out. If Doc goes out, another second round exit, because of what's happened, does he get another chance next year? Or if it's, for example, if this is a sweep or even a gentleman's sweep, does, do, they, do they call it time again and go a new direction? I think it really depends on the state of Embiid when he returns. If Embiid's coming back and firing on all cylinders, looking as if he's never left, and I think a sacking or a firing, whatever you want to call it, is completely fair. If he doesn't, then Doc's got an, Glenn's got an ace in the hole whereby he's going, well, I didn't have my MVP. But I don't think, you know, he even enjoys it in Philadelphia. I think, you know, you had it in, when he's in Boston, he had Hall of Famers, you know, Pierce, he had Garnett, Ray Allen. When you're in the Clippers, I mean, who... who I don't want to be dismissive, but who even supports the Clippers? What pressure do you receive from being the Clippers coach? The people that go to those games are going just because they might as well, because they live in Los Angeles. And people that go to Philadelphia games, they're blue-collar workers. They're you know working Monday to Monday to Friday to pay for these tickets, and they're going to let you know if they're not happy. And Doc's being told when they're not happy, and he does not like it one bit. I don't think he likes being in Philadelphia. So I would sack him regardless of how this finishes but i do feel it really is dependent on what Embiid returns in game three or game four interesting yeah and i think you're right again yeah i think that it really could come down to that and he has got that yeah that sort of uh, excuse in the pipeline ready if it doesn't work out that way but uh, we'll see we'll see what happens with doc i know he splits the fan base quite a lot um let's get your thoughts on miami before we finish up then uh ben um all things considered, if we can stay healthy, I think that's quite a key thing here. We've missed Cole Lowry for the last three games, hamstring injury. There was some uh, hope he might be back for game two. I think because we won last night, um, we've given him that extra time to try and get ready. Uh, we, we, he's important, but if we can stay healthy, can Miami go on to win this thing? Win? Oof. Win the lot. Wow. I think you can get to the finals for sure. I, I just think Again, it's that intelligence. It's that we've been here before. You know, the individuals all want to work together to ensure that they get to where they want to be. And I think, you know, it's men, not boys, if that makes sense. There's no egos. There's everyone's here to win. 
And I think there's absolutely no reason why not. I know obviously you lost to the Bucks last year, um, but the year before you didn't and you played absolutely fantastically against them. And I couldn't think of a better person to stick on Giannis than Bam Adebayo. Um, I think he's a fantastic defender. And I think naturally as well, the way the, the heat scheme um, involves a lot of switching, which just yeah. throws an awful lot of um, curveballs at any team. So I think that's absolutely possible. I would still make your third favourites come out of the East, um, nonetheless. But I still, you know, I would I would not be surprised to see you guys in the finals. Out of the West, I have coming the Warriors or the Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I would still just give them the edge. Mainly the Warriors. I think the, you'd have better luck against the Suns than the Warriors. Um, yeah. The Warriors just... They're just frightening, aren't they? I know yeah. they got out of jail a bit in the, in the game against the Grizzlies, but you know when you have you know Kerr coaching, Thompson, Curry, Draymond, and now Jordan Poole, yeah. you, you're you're going against championship proven pedigree, a you know a dynasty that unfortunately has had to be put on hold solely because of injuries. So yeah. I think finals is achievable, depending on who you get. Maybe the whole thing, but I would say finals is achievable but again uh, unlikely yep. for me yep no I, I think again it's fair it's uh i mean the heat are very we're excited because it is an it is a championship caliber side without a doubt um i think your what your thoughts there will align with what the bookmakers will say and i think that's absolutely fair to say that um you know i don't think you'll find any heat fan that will say we're going to win this thing we'll always got this cocky thing this heat in five that's just what we do um but what we've got to hold is what I come back to is, yeah, you can beat the Heat. This team is beatable. Try and beat them four times. And that's what that's what I think, because the, the, with the adjustments, with the coaching, you know, if, if we lose a game, you can all, almost guarantee that Spolstra will come back and you won't beat them again. Uh, and you've got to try and do that four times. And I think that's maybe harder to beat this team um, over four games than maybe any other, even if the uh, outline talent doesn't match up with some of the others. So it's exciting. It's going to be an explosive finish to the season, I'm sure. Um, any, any, any one of maybe six teams can win this, and that's exactly what you want in a higher competitive sports. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. Right, final prediction then, Ben. Who's coming out of this series and, what's, and what in? So my whole long-term plan was that the Sixers split in Miami, which mm-hmm. I think we played poorly last night, but I think I saw enough to suggest we could nick a game. If we split, then I think the Sixers can take this in six or seven. If we don't split, I think Miami will take this in probably five or six. Um, again, it's dependent on what Embiid returns. So I'm assuming in both these scenarios that we get the normal Embiid, I guess. So I'm being somewhat optimistic, but I try to ground myself in a bit of realism. So it's gone to my head, Miami in, let's say, six, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, I think that there is there is a lot of variance. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think tomorrow night's game, game two, is huge. Um, yeah, it will look a different contest if it goes back to Philadelphia split with Joel Embiid coming back. But there is so many question marks. Not As you said right at the beginning of this episode, uh, what version does come back? Can he see properly? Will it impact his game? Um, these are big, big things. And they're big question marks. They're big what's ifs that we don't know just yet. Um, look, I'm riding with my guys. Of course I am. I'm going to go with uh, with Heat in six. Um, we'll see. I think we'll take if we can take tomorrow... As you said, it could be wrapped up relatively soon, but yeah. who knows? That is the beauty of this sport. Ben, absolutely brilliant to talk to you. Where can everybody find you? That's been you, great. Thank you. Um, so I'm on Twitter at UK76ers. Um, that is the main place where I'll be uh, venting most likely over the next <laughs> however many games, hopefully more than more than just the three after this one. 
Um, so yeah, at UK 76ers, um, obviously uh, myself um, and Bobby, we do uh, a podcast called Processing from the UK, which I believe is in my uh, Twitter bio on um, at UK 76ers. So you can feel free to check those out. They sort of come sporadically. Sometimes we'll do two or three in a week and other times we'll do two in a month. It, it really is. We're both busy men. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that, we can't always commit, um, but we both love to chat in sixes. We both love getting involved and trying to give our takes on what is normally a pretty turbulent time in Philadelphia. So feel free to check those out as well. Yeah, brilliant. Please go and follow uh, Ben. Yeah, great account. And obviously my brother's uh, co-hosting on that podcast as well. Uh, yeah, I do regularly listen in. Uh, a really good listen. So go and follow the guys and go and subscribe to that. Uh, ben, great to everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. Right, guys, um, we have got, if you saw uh, the Twitter feed over the last few days, we have got a watch party coming up for Game 3 in London. If you are there, meet us at Belushi's 8.30. Uh, we are there for, we've got a private area. We're going to be watching Game 3. It's going to go on to about half two in the morning. We have got a section reserved for that. However, I need to know if you're coming. We've got a, better, we've got a table for about a dozen of us. I think about eight or nine have confirmed. So there are still potential places please come and join us it's going to be great fun we're going to be lo lots of drinking lots of food lots of nba basketball it's going to be a great time and we'll try and live pod from there i know i've got some of the guys uh sam and um and ollie etc and glenn they're all coming down for it from our uh, from our game day from the uk stream they will be there so we'll be trying to do a live pod which should be exciting um but so come and join us for that until then we'll catch up next time hopefully with some more miami heats wins in the book take it easy guys You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.